This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. Hello, this is Gordon Smith, and I am interviewing Father Adam Mammon of the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana, North Central Indiana, as they like to refer to it. And it's All Saints Parish, uh, and he's in a pastorate uh, of All Saints in Logansport and also Peru. What's the name of that parish, Father? St. Charles Barmail. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, This is the Sons of Melchizedek show, a show about vocations, and that's what we want to find out about you today, Father. Thank you, Gordon. You're welcome. Tell me just a little bit about your vocational journey. What what time in your life did you decide you had a vocation? I first began considering the priesthood uh, as a junior or senior while I was studying construction management at Purdue University. Uh, A priest had asked me if I'd considered being a priest, and I said no, but that question stuck with me, and I had at that time become more involved with the Students for Life and at the Newman Center at St. Thomas Aquinas in West Lafayette. And uh, some others had encouraged me to consider that same question. So So you said a priest had encouraged you. Was that one of the Dominicans from the St. Thomas Parish, or was it one of our parish priests from Lafayette? One of our diocesan priests, Father Brian Doerr, who was, I believe, the vocations director at the time, and uh, is involved with a group called the Frasati Society of Young Adult Catholics here in our diocese. So that's excellent that he made that connection with you and that you were able to hear the call. So you were in your undergrad years at Purdue. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you immediately jump into the seminary? I did decide uh, after a couple, a uh, year and a half or so of discerning, I was debating whether to begin a career in construction management, which I'd been studying and had been working in construction, or to go directly to seminary. And I ended up entering seminary uh, that fall after I graduated from Purdue with the thought that if I decided or discerned that was not what God was calling me to, it would be easier to begin a career than it would be to begin a career and then to leave construction to go back to graduate studies or seminary formation. Well, St. Francis was told to go rebuild that church, (laughs) and uh, you had the background in construction, but maybe figured out the message faster than St. Francis did. The rebuild the church part was the church population, right, Father? That is correct. So tell me about your family life and um, growing up. Where did you grow up, and um, where are you from originally? I grew up in Grant County here in Indiana in our diocese. I attended St. Paul Catholic Church in Marion, Indiana, but we grew up out in the countryside uh, a few miles outside of Marion, closer to Swayze, uh, the only Swayze in the world, if people know where that's at. Um, I've actually been to Swayze, or through it anyway. Mm -hmm. Were you on a farm? Were you a farm boy? No. um, My mother grew up on a farm, and I spent a lot of time 
at my grandparents' farm outside of Huntington as a child, but my mother was an educator and my father uh, was a manager, a managed hauling companies. But something kind of uh, got your attention, and you said you mentioned uh, the uh, Newman Center there. Did you go to Mass a lot when you were at, at uh, Purdue? I think at the, my first couple years at Purdue, it was more out of obligation, uh, having been raised Catholic, uh, the sense that I need to be at church on Sunday, uh, but not really practicing the faith. As I said, it was more my junior and senior year that I got more involved there with the Students for Life, with the Frasati Society um, at the Newman Center, um, and began practicing the faith by attending more regularly daily Mass and uh, Eucharistic adoration especially had a, a, a part to play in my discernment. And the Newman Center was Dominican at the time, or is that a later thing? The transition from diocesan priest to the Dominicans occurred when I was at Purdue. I believe okay. Father Patrick Click and a couple of our other diocesan priests were there my freshman, sophomore year. The Dominicans came either my junior or senior year. Okay, very good. So you are in a pastorate here, um, two parishes that are about 25 miles apart, I guess. Uh, 17.3. But who's counting? Depends on which way you drive. And I'm sure you have to drive fast sometimes. You, ha you serve masses on Sunday at both parishes, or do you split that up with your associates? Uh, we split that up among ourselves. So typically, if one of us is at St. Charles, the other two are at All Saints to cover the English and Spanish masses in Logansport, whereas one priest will be at St. Charles for the weekend. Now tell me, what is uh, important to you about being a priest? What, you heard the calling, you answered the calling. Uh, what is your favorite part about being a priest, and what is your favorite sacrament? I think what you said about St. Francis highlights well what I love about being the priest, a priest, is that I could have remained in construction, could continue building factories and houses, but that's all temporal. When I was discerning and, and wrestling with whether or not to go to seminary, the thought was if I could celebrate the sacraments. I remember returning to the sacrament of reconciliation after having not been for many years, and the great grace and gift that was and I thought, if I have an opportunity to extend that same gift to others, I, that seemed more significant, uh, more of eternal significance than anything I could build. Uh, as a young man, I always had dreamed of building a skyscraper, working on a large project in Chicago, and um, but that all pales in comparison to extending my hands in absolution and or extending my hands to offer someone the Eucharist, the, the bread of life. Well, I think you're building an eternal skyscraper with your parishioners here, mm -hmm. and uh, the bread of life is so important. Um, you're referencing John 6.54, my favorite Bible passage uh, about the real presence of the Lord in the, the Holy Eucharist. Uh, in a, Next summer in Indianapolis, they're having a Eucharistic Congress and revival, uh, and I think that is going to hopefully bring a lot of people back uh, and strengthen their belief in the in the Holy Eucharist and the real presence. Um, I, I'm certainly hoping so. Mm. Um, tell me about some of your other responsibilities. Um, there's a um, 
prison facility uh, near Peru, right? That is correct. And do you spend some time there? We do. Um, there are actually, before we began, I mentioned Miami Correctional Facility, where we have the maximum security prison from the Indiana Department of Corrections, as well as a minimum security facility. There's also a juvenile facility here in Logansport. Um, so the former are in just outside of Bunker Hill, Indiana, uh, where I've been serving off and on since 2009 when I was assigned to St. Charles as a transitional deacon. Um, and um, the associates help me now. Father Kyle Nieder has primary responsibility for the juvenile facility here in Logansport, whereas Father Lopez and I have a shared responsibility to the, to the prison at Miami Correctional Facility. And those are uh, some desperate times for those folks. Uh, you said it's maximum security. So these are people that are lifers uh, or darn near close to it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, what, what do you see as their biggest need as you go in and minister to them? Um, companionship, uh, presence, uh, individuals who will visit them consistently. It surprises me. I guess maybe having grown up in a stable home, uh, the number of them that do not have family or friends to visit one of the most difficult days leaving the prison was one day after I had been to the infirmary to anoint, offer the anointing of the sick to a gentleman who was dying of cancer. And as I left the prison that day, I realized he would die alone. And that was hard when I so often see families surrounding their mothers, their fathers, their children uh, with love as they're dying. It was hard to uh, see someone literally uh, dying alone um, without the ability to have family and friends at his bedside. Even if they had wanted to be, I don't know that they could have been. Um, but Well, I'm sure you provided great comfort to him in bringing the um, sacraments to him and uh, last rites. So uh, that is so important. Thank you for that, and thank you for your vocation. So important in our church today. Um, let me change directions on this interview a little bit, Father, and ask you a question about the pandemic. Uh, we're three years out of it. I think I saw something in the news this week that uh, they finally have uh, said there is no more pandemic. We're done with it officially, politically, from Washington. But uh, that ate into a lot of the church's um, attendance. Uh, did you mm -hmm. see that in Peru or Logansport? And if so, has that come back? We did see that in both, at both churches and both parishes, as many of our brother priests did throughout the state and throughout the United States. Um, our attendance has been increasing for these past two or three years. Uh, Father Lopez has been here at All Saints since before the pandemic, and he felt that we had more parishioners at mass for Easter Sunday than we did before the pandemic. So I have to look at those numbers and see if his visual uh, memory serves him well. Um, but we're grateful that individuals continue coming back and we're still proactively trying to reach out to them and engage those who have not yet returned. It's hard. It's very hard because people, uh, some folks decided that they didn't need church in the mass and the sacraments like they did, or they watched it on TV. Did you have a live stream here? We did for some time, not, n not and, currently. And you've finished with that. Well, that's, that's good and bad. I think, you know, it's good mm -hmm. that people were able to see mass on 
their living room TV, but then it's not the same, is it? It is not. And we wanted to encourage them to come back to join us in community. They cannot receive the sacraments remotely and uh, felt that there were others such as EWTN and many other outlets that do a much higher production that are available to our homebound parishioners and elderly parishioners. Well, very good, Father. And again, this is Gordon Smith, and this the show is Sons of Melchizedek. We're highlighting Father Adam Mauman from the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana. And he's in north-central Indiana right now at All Saints. I'm interviewing him today at All Saints in Logansport. But he's also in the pastorate that includes Peru. And that's St. Charles Barmeo Parish. So, Father, um, let me know if you have any unusual hobbies. <laughs> I, I do enjoy hiking and uh, mountaineering. And mountaineering, um, I'm looking out the window on the second floor of the parish center here. There's not any mountains around here. It's uh, exercise and exploration. My mother, having been an educator, we traveled a lot as a family. And now I'm returning to many places uh, and uh, trying to find the high point of each state. Well, we're obviously in the high point of the Catholicism in, in uh, Cass County right now. We're right here at All Saints. And I, we're going to be back in just a minute. I'm going to return with Father Adam and find out a little bit more about this mountain climbing. Thank you, Gordon. Wheels keep turning. Time keeps ticking. The wise keep learning. God keeps teaching. Use your moments. Learn well. Catholic Radio Indy. An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic Radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening to the radio, and I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be in intellectually stimulating. And um, at the same time, I was learning about the faith, particularly the apologetics. Catholic Radio, building faith, building vocations. Welcome back. This is Gordon Smith, and I am interviewing Father Adam Mauman of the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana. Father, before the break, you were telling us a little bit about mountain climbing, and I noticed that there are no mountains in Logansport. Where do you mountain climb, and what have you been doing, and, and what's your goal there? It really began as a, a joke uh, a number of years ago. In 2006, I had a been given a book by my mother. I'd asked her for a book on rock climbing, and she bought me another book by a similar title called Climbing Across America. And it's uh, a father takes his son to all the 50 states, and they climb the high point. And that book sat on my bookshelf, and uh, Father Brian, when he was visiting the seminary, asked me when I was going to climb the 50 high points. And so on the drive back to Indiana, we stopped by Hoosier Hill on spring break of 2006, and we did the strenuous hike of about 30 seconds to the top of Indiana's high point. We didn't really proceed much further until 2009. A, a brother seminarian, Father Carl Wharton, saw the same book on my uh, bookshelf and expressed some interest in exploring some of the high points. And so since 2009, I've been going to different states each year and uh, climbing uh, the geographic high point of each state. 
So does each, so you're going to get each of the 50 states? That is the hope. Okay. And there's uh, one state I'm thinking of, the state of Alaska, that has a, a pretty high mountain in that one. They used to call it Mount McKinley. I think they call it something else now. What's that one called, Father? It is now called Denali. And that is probably over 13,000 feet, wouldn't you say? 20,310 or 20,320. Oh, my gosh. Does it? It's snow-covered all year round? Yes. Do you have to take oxygen? No. Okay. That would be the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. You would most likely go up with others. You don't yes. solo climb that. No, no. I have a, a couple priest friends who have gone on the more strenuous hikes with me, uh, Mount Rainier, Mount Hood, and some other more technical mountains. And at least one of them has expressed interest, and he and I are actually currently training and talking and planning, hoping to try and make a trip in uh, the spring of 2024. So when you get to the top, do you just turn around and come back down, or would you celebrate Mass at the top? What, what could you do there? As they say, getting to the top is only halfway there. You have to get home safely, as my grandmother would pray and hope. And uh, I don't know that we would have enough time. The weather on Denali is, is quite temperamental. Um, but there's, I did receive a, an article about two Polish brothers, two Polish priests, who had unusually good weather a number of years ago, and they celebrated the Mass on top of Denali. That would be so cool. <laughs> I want a picture. <laughs> Oh, wow. And um, your favorite, one of your favorite blesseds is um, Blessed Frasati. He's not, he's not a saint yet, right? No, beatified. Beatified. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was a mountain climber, as I recall. Or yes. he was out in the open air a lot. Mm-hmm. He did enjoy the mountains there in northern Italy and other locations. And do you have any other favorite saints besides Blessed Frasati? As many others, I love St. Therese of Lisieux. Hers was the first biography or autobiography of a saint I had read uh, while I was a student at Purdue. And uh, St. Augustine as well, who I read the Confessions shortly after I read The Story of a Soul. And that's not an easy read either. That's a very difficult read. What is your... I'm going to tease another question out of you here, Father. <laughs> uh, this is Gordon Smith, and we are interviewing Father Adam Mammon. Uh, of the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana. He had a very unusual first job, I guess, maybe in high school. I don't know. You didn't tell me. But um, what was your first job that was very unusual? I was a laborer at a landfill. Landfill. So that's a trashy job, but somebody has to do it, right? (laughs) Yes. And it never goes out of style because there's always going to be more fill to put in the land. Uh, tell me a little bit about growing up. You had um, Richard and Cynthia were your folks, and are they still with us? By God's grace, they are. They've been married for over 50 years. Oh, God bless them. Uh, how many other boys in your family and girls? I was the only boy. I have uh, three sisters, two older and one younger. And are they married uh, or single? Are they in religious life? Uh, two of the three are married. All three have children. I have Six nieces and nephews. That's great. And so you didn't get much time in the bathroom at your house, but at least a priest came out of the mom and household in Swayze. What are some of your other hobbies, Father? I enjoy 
biking and and hiking here in the Midwest. I enjoy camping, uh, all of which uh, help me to train for the mountains. But I've also enjoyed doing calligraphy over the years, a a hobby I don't do as much as I would like, uh, but one that has helped me in in, uh, praying with the scriptures and and the practice of what's called Lexio Divina. Let's explain Lexio Divina for our audience, if you would. I learned about Lexio Divina um, from a, a monastic community I spent some time discerning with before I completed seminary formation. And uh, really it begins with the, the reading of scriptures or another s- uh, spiritual text. So just that initial reading. And then that's followed by meditation. Uh, so oratio is led by uh, meditatio. So just sort of mauling over, as they would say, like a, a cow chewing its cud. Um, it's just sort of mulling over what one has read and then formulating a prayer uh, from that meditation, uh, which would be the oratio, the third step. And so following that prayer, then it's meant to enter into contemplation or contemplatio, the fourth step of, of listening. How does God respond to us in the prayer that we have presented? And as a priest, you already do the Liturgy of the Hours. So is this in addition to that? This is in addition to that. Um, sometimes it could be a verse from the Liturgy of the Hours or the Daily Scriptures or Sunday Scriptures as I'm preparing a homily can also become that uh, food for thought. And So it gives you an opportunity to empty your mind and open up, as we say in the radio world, you're receiving. Yes, yes. So you've got you to be quiet your mind so that you can receive. Mm-hmm. Um, the word of God or from God. Tell me your favorite Bible verse, Father. John chapter 2 verse 5 at the wedding feast of Cana when Mary tells the servers, do whatever he tells you. That verse has always uh, struck a chord with my heart and uh, one I had put on the prayer of Thanksgiving, uh, my mass of Thanksgiving. Okay, so do whatever he tells you and that was Mary that was not being really pushy with her son, but was a Jewish mom, and she uh, was able to tell the the others around her that her son was going going to be doing something great, and he went along with it. He wasn't pushed in it, but he went ahead because his time had not yet come, right, Father? That is correct. So that was his first miracle, as, uh, as I recall. Yes. Wedding feast at Cana. Mm-hmm. Do you pray the rosary every day, Father? More frequently now, uh, the drive between All Saints and St. Charles Borromeo has afforded me with a more regular opportunity to pray the rosary daily. 17 minutes, right? <laughs> 25 minutes, uh, 17 and a half miles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we know Father obeys the speed limit now. Yay. Which um, isn't something I've always done, so. <laughs> well, we're not going to blame you for that, but... <laughs> bless you for your your vocation and bless you for your your time in doing this you were talking about the sacrament of reconciliation in the first segment and you say that is one of your favorite sacraments would you say or or all of them it's kind of a trick question sorry about that i think they go hand in hand Uh, when i think of my favorite sacrament i think of visiting the elderly or the sick when they're dying, and that sacrament of reconciliation is intimately connected with the sacrament of communion, of the Eucharist. And last rites. Mm, Yes. 
So before anointing of the sick, oftentimes afford those who are dying with an opportunity for confession if they're unable to physically or if they've been intubated or if they're in a, a coma. Uh, we're given the great opportunity to still offer apostolic pardon, absolution, but then to offer, if they're physically able to receive communion as they're dying, what's known as viaticum, so food for the journey. And to offer those hand in hand, I take great confidence in what Jesus said to Peter, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And he also said in John chapter 6 clearly that whoever eats this bread will live forever. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live forever in that beautiful bread of life discourse. And so to offer individuals that grace, that saving grace, that opportunity to be reconciled with God and to offer them a share in Christ's divinity at that moment of death is, I think, the greatest gift I can offer at someone's bedside when they're dying. Um, well, thank you for doing that. Thank you for your vocation. As, as the apostle said at the time, that those words are hard. How can we believe them? But Jesus didn't dissuade them, did he? He's, he said, this is the deal. This is my body. This is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I have a question about vocations now. Cynthia and Richard clearly had a success with you at becoming a priest. Did they hit you over the head with a baseball bat, or did they <laughs> encourage you or discourage you? How did it go um, when you said, I might want to become a priest? They were very encouraging. Um, my grandparents were the first I told and they were also very supportive. Um, I took some time off from seminary to discern monastic life and went back to work in construction during those two years as well. And they were supportive when I took time off, and they were also supportive when I went back to seminary to conclude my studies. They've shown me an unconditional love over the years. And I, I don't know that I ask you what seminary you attended. Mm. Uh, my first four and a half years were at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. My last year and a half was at St. Meinrad in southern Indiana. Okay. And was Father Brian at Emmitsburg when you were there? Because he, he spent some time there, didn't he? After I was ordained. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, today we've been interviewing Father Adam Mauman of the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana, and we are so thankful for his calling and that he answered the call to vote vocation call to become a priest in uh, the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana. So thank you, Father Adam Mauman. I appreciate your time today. God bless you. And would you just close in a, in a uh, blessing for our audience, please? I'd be happy to, Gordon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we continue to celebrate this Easter season, we pray that you may pour out your Holy Spirit upon all your sons and daughters. Created in the image and likeness of God, we pray that we may seek to do your will. In whatever vocation we feel called, we pray for mothers and fathers and husbands and wives. We pray, pray for priests and religious and for all those who are still yet discerning their vocation. We pray that you may pour out your Holy Spirit upon those who are recently became Catholics through the sacraments of initiation. May Almighty God bless you all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy.